want to welcome back several uh, folks are, are are starting to come back from up north, and man, we are happy to have you all with us. Um, I know that several who are normally here have gone up north. They want to see the the, the, the change of weather since we haven't had any here yet, uh, but that's supposed to have to change next week. Uh, thank you all for being here this morning. Have noticed we have a few guests. Guest, if you would be kind enough to fill out one of the um, uh, registration cards, what do we call it, guest cards, You'll, they're in the pockets on the chairs in front of you. If you'd fill one of those out for us and, and uh, get it to us at the end of the service, we would really appreciate it. We're working on some things to bribe you to do that more often, but uh, um, that's coming. That's coming. It's great to be here this morning, and uh, seems like everybody's just a little off this morning. These, this 9 o'clock service has really messed some folks up. I didn't realize that 9 o'clock was so early for some, but I, I mean, I'm up, I'm up at 6 o'clock no matter what. The dog makes sure we're up at 6 o'clock. So, well, if you will, turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel 17. That's where we're going to be today. And some of you all know and that uh, I recently got back from a trip to Israel. Um, give you guys who are coming back from up north a little bit of an update on what this summer was like. It was an amazing summer. Um, pastor Bales retired. Uh, I became the pastor. We had two mission trips, a youth camp, um, several activities over the summer. I went to Israel, then we had a hurricane, and I think we're just now starting to get back into some sort of routine. Then we changed the service times. So everything's been kind of crazy. Um, we've had some great things happen, though. Over 30 people received Christ as their Savior this summer. What an awesome thing. Uh, a little bit later, uh, after the second service, a uh, young man who's been coming and, and is going to be baptized and uh, with his family. And we've seen God do some amazing and some great things. But uh, from this trip of Israel, I've been kind of sharing. Instead of coming and having one of those really long slideshow things and, and boring everybody to death, I've been trying to show some pictures here, there, and everywhere of what some of the things we did. And uh, so this morning, we're going to be in the Valley of Elah. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? There's a, a mountain going up, and there's a stream bed. Let's go to the next one. There again, that stream bed and the mountain. Now, the interesting thing was is we were going out of Jerusalem, and we weren't exactly sure what we were going to be doing. And we stopped next to a farm field and got off the bus. And the bus was having a bad tire, so we thought we were just broke down. But our guide takes us and starts walking through this farm, and you smell the fertilizer and everything else. Let's go to the next one. And we get to this spot. And he goes, this is a great spot. And we're going, okay, what, what's so great about this spot? Ah, there's the other side of the valley. And you can see some of the farmlands. There's the highway where we were broke down. We had to walk up to a thing. I think it, it about wore some people out walking up to this little um, gas station store, restaurant thing. Let me tell you the significance of the Valley of Elah. You saw the one side there was a mountain, you saw the other side there was a mountain, then there was a stream going through, and in that stream you saw lots of little rocks, little stones. 
a lot of little smooth stones. Anybody pick it up? David. That is the spot where David fought Goliath. We're in 1 Samuel 17. I can't read that whole thing. I want to give you a little bit of an introduction with that, and then we'll go through and give you some things. But what you, if you remember the story, on one of those mountains was all the Israelites. On the other side was the Philistines. And Goliath, this huge guy, big guy, would come down and he would curse God and he'd curse Israel. And everybody was scared of him. They were terrified. I think I just scared them. <laughs> and David came to bring some supplies to his brothers. And he saw Goliath out there. And he took, he, he, he took, he was upset. Why are you letting this guy talk about our God this way? What, what is going on? And his brother says, oh, you just came out here to see the battle. They put, kind of put him down. You know how big brothers do to little brothers? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I got two stepbrothers, but I was already bigger than they were when I met them. So um, they didn't do much to me. But I understand that brothers can be really mean to younger brothers. I think that's what was happening. But David had something going. He said, ha, no, no, I'll go fight that guy. I'm not scared of him. So David went down, and he went down off that valley, and he went down there where Goliath was yelling at him and stuff, and the Bible says he picked up five smooth stones. They may have been a little bit bigger than this, because I'm not sure how big his sling was. But he got five of them, and he put it in that sling and he ran it around and he nailed Goliath right in the middle of the head. Look at that, Bob. Do you think that hurt if it hit you in the middle of the head? <laughs> it knocked him out. The Bible doesn't say that the stone killed him. It may have. But then David ran and took Goliath's sword and cut off his head and that definitely did him in. What I want to tell you this morning is that we all face giants in our life. We, uh, man, we have all sorts of things that, that, that happen. It, it, this last week when a um, young man is going to be baptized the, the, after the second service, told me he wanted to be baptized. He's had all sorts of difficulties all week long. He goes, I said, it's just spiritual warfare. Understand, it's going to be okay. It's spiritual warfare. He goes, I decided to get baptized and everything goes crazy. Yeah, we have giants to battle. This week, Gretchen had an attack of, uh, of their stomach stuff again. I have a friend who had an attack of diverticulitis so bad, he's in the hospital up in North Carolina. Um, there are challenges facing us all the time. There are health giants. There are uh, relationship giants. There are spirit. There's spiritual warfare on all levels. But see, we can be like David, and we can overcome that fear. We can overcome those giants by exercising faith. Let me give you a few thoughts here. First of all, we have an enemy. 
and he is deceptively powerful. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4 says this, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. By the way, that is the only place in Scripture where the word champion is used. And uh, i got to tell a story about this. The first time I ever started putting together this message was years ago. And uh, the University of Florida had played Florida State for the national championship. And we were living in Gainesville, Florida at the time, helping start a church. And uh, we had an opportunity to go out to the Sugar Bowl uh, and watch that game. And I got real... Um, wise with money and said no we really can't afford it uh, I think the real reason was I knew Florida State was going to get beat and did they ever get beat and we went uh, to kind of pacify the rest of my family we didn't go to the big rally in the stadium but we went downtown to the big rally of celebrating the Gators because see my wife and daughters are all Gator fans and my son and I are Seminole fans it's been a rough year this year for us I'm back to sporting UM um, so they're playing that song that, that, that goes with all these songs, We Are the Champions, and it just irritated me. So I figured some way I can preach against those champions. And this is the only place I could find. This, so I couldn't really appreciate it. But listen, our enemy, he is deceptively powerful. This guy named Goliath the Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, he's between 10 and 11 foot tall. And he had a helmet of brass on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighted 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. This guy was big, and he was intimidating. And let me tell you something. Some of the things that we're battling are very, very intimidating. You may have someone where you work with that just, you maybe have one of those irregular bosses who just, no matter what you do, there's never going to be a win there. I worked for a guy like that. He was crazy. Eventually, it, he got but it was a battle every day you went in. You couldn't talk any sense to him. He made you do all sorts of crazy things, and then you had to go back and undo what he had you do because it was wrong. You know what I'm talking about? It may that you're facing some health issues. They're just overwhelming. But you need to understand, there may be, it may not be as overwhelming as it seems. When we first face that giant, when you first see that giant coming into your life, he may be a deceptively powerful enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. You notice it says that he is like a roaring lion. That means he's not a roaring lion, but he acts like a roaring lion. By the way, if you ever read the end of the book, you find out he's defeated. So he's a toothless lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah has defeated him and put him in his place. And that lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus Christ. But we have a deceptively powerful enemy. We have Satan, the Bible tells us. And we have the principalities and the powers. In Ephesians 6, it lists all these different hierarchies and this whole 
chain of command of, of, of demonic forces that come against us. If that wasn't enough, this whole world system is developed to, to overcome what we believe in. And if that wasn't enough, and maybe the most deceptively powerful thing is our flesh. Listen, I, I went to Jacksonville to see my son preach and to really, I went to see my grandson. We had a great time with my grandson. He knows who his papa is. He can point to his papa. But actually, he'll point to his nana, but he won't point at his papa. He just looks at me with a look like, yeah, I know who you are, but I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. We ate the whole time. Took him to breakfast. We ate. Later that day, I went to the, my, one of my favorite places to eat there and got something I can't get here and enjoyed that. Then that night, we went out again and ate. And then I took Susie to Sonic, and she got this huge ice cream thing. I, I didn't do that, but I wanted that ice cream. Gretchen said something about that we'll be around. I think she was talking about my shape, not. We have the Satan and his minions. We have the world, and we have the flesh that we are battling all the time. But listen, there's some scripture that tells us they're not as powerful as you think. John 16, says, These things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. On Wednesday nights we've been studying through the book of uh, Romans. And in Romans chapter 7, we found that, that the law of sin is dead. And really, it's been crucified with Christ. And we do not have to give in to the flesh. It's been defeated. So yes, we do have enemies. And yes, they seem incredibly powerful. But that may be deceptively powerful. Not only that, we need to remember and understand that this battle is the Lord's. This battle is the Lord's. Those things you are facing as a believer, you, the, the, the challenges, the, the difficulties, the enemies, the battle is the Lord's. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 says this, Then David said to the Philistine, he's talking trash to Goliath, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and unto the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Hey, let me tell you something. Battle's the Lord's, and he wins. He's undefeated. That word, uh, Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the, the Lord of armies. You know who that Lord of Armies is? It's Jesus Christ. Go back to that book at the end. Who's leading, coming back, when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom and to bring judgment upon this earth? 
He's riding a horse. And we are behind him on horses. It's going to be a great day. I haven't ridden in a long time, but I sure miss, miss it. He is the Lord of armies bringing down judgment, bringing victory. Battles the Lord's. We're in some spiritual battles here as, as a church. The more we're going to, the more outreach we do, the more places that we try to impact people for the cause of Christ, the more challenges we're going to get. We can be assured of victory because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Understand that. As you face those giants in your life, the battle is the Lord's. The other thing you need to understand here is that fear paralyzes. Fear paralyzes. But fear will paralyze. I wrote it down, and, and uh, I think Gretchen corrected me. He's good for doing that. 1 Samuel 17, 11, When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, he's out there yelling at them, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, for they were sore afraid. Folks, fear will paralyze you. Do you know why more people don't get involved in, in, in sharing their testimony and sharing the gospel with others? You know what the number one reason that happens? It's fear. I'm scared. What is that, what's that person going to say to me? What, is that per, what will happen? What will they do to me? What will, why do we not go on with the things that God's called us to do? Why do we not follow his word? Oh, if I do that, I may lose my job. Or, well, I, I, I may not have the money. If I give the way God is laying it on my heart to give, I may not have the, the money to take care of myself. And, and man, I need to make sure everything is taken care of. And, and, and what happens? Fear paralyzes us. We are paralyzed. You realize that's the, the, the game of terrorists? is to put so much fear into us that we are paralyzed and we don't do anything. By the way, it works. I talked to a lot of people, hey man, why don't you come to Israel with us? It's going to be a, it's a life changer. Uh-uh, I'm not going to Israel. Why? No man, it's too crazy over there. It's safer there than it is here. A whole lot safer there than it is in Chicago or Miami or Tampa. Man, you got girls walking around with M16s. They're going to protect you. It's kind of hard to get used to seeing a teenage girl walking around with a, uh, an M16 or M4. Yeah, I feel pretty safe. I feel pretty safe. Try remember we, go, we went to, to uh, we got some coffee in Jerusalem, and a whole bunch of them come by, and they lay down their stuff, and they go get their coffee, and then they take off. Marilyn and them saw it too. I feel pretty safe with those people around. Listen. Don't let fear paralyze you or keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Remember, he's, that enemy is not as powerful as you think. And, and you know what? It's God's battle. If he's called you to do it, he'll empower you to do it. Don't let fear paralyze you. All right. One more thing. Well, let me give you a couple of verses just to back that up. Romans 8, 15. 
For we have not uh, received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Second Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Listen, we don't have to be paralyzed. We, have to, we have, can be very, very confident that the Lord Jesus loves us so much, more than we can ever imagine. He gave his life for us. If he gave his life to pay for our sin, he loves us enough to take care of us through these battles that we face every day. We don't have to be paralyzed with fear because his love will outshine that fear. I think last week one of the points was that, that we need to love others the way that Jesus loves us. We love others the way Jesus loves us. There is no fear to go wherever God asks us to go. You can go into dangerous places, very dangerous places, when you're going in the power of God. You ask how some missionaries do the things they do. I was looking at the, uh, the waters um, <clears throat> over in Africa. They killed a whole bunch of spiders and a black mamba. That's scary stuff. I could deal with the spiders, but the black mamba, no, that's a snake, by the way. I don't do with snakes. I don't mind spiders. My daughter, Gretchen, she's so scared of spiders that she went into a doctor's office the other day, and they were decorated for Halloween, and she about had a fit. They had to help her get through and then move some of that stuff because she was so scared of spiders, even the little plastic ones. Listen, that love of Christ, when we love like Christ loves, there is no place we can't go. There is nothing we can't do. Because there's the next thing. There is a cause. 1 Samuel 17, 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to that man that killeth him. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, as he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness. I know the pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Yes, we have a cause. We have the greatest cause there is. The cause of bringing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone that we come in contact with. The gospel that that, that that takes people out of darkness and puts it into light. The gospel that, that forgives sins and gives eternal life. What greater cause can there be than to champion the cause of Jesus Christ? There is a cause. We are to share how Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and that He rose again. And because of the perfection of His life, a sinless life. 
he could sacrifice his life to pay for our imperfect lives. Oh, how amazing, how amazing that is. There is a cause. Listen, as we face the giants in life, as we go, and as we battle for the cause of Christ, we must exercise faith over fear. You see, all those Israelites, King Saul all the way down, were afraid. But David had faith. David had faith. And he had victory. I think we sang that this morning, didn't we? Faith is the victory. How do you do that then? But Lord, I, I don't know how to do that. How do I get that faith? Let me tell you something. A couple little thoughts here. Remember your past victories. Let me, let me give you an example. 1 Samuel 17, 32. And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. David said unto Saul, My servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. David had already had some victories. David had already seen God work and do in his life. He killed a bear and he killed a lion. And he knew that God would deliver that ugly giant. Listen. You realize you've already had some victories in your life? You've already had some victories in your life. Sometimes we forget about all those victories. We forget about those times when God got you through something that was just outrageous. I got saved. I was a mess. I drank every day, smoked, ran around, did drugs. Received Christ as my Savior, and, and things started changing. And over a period of time, I don't smoke anymore. Well, unless it's barbecuing smoking. And since I don't have a real good smoker here, I'm going to try to talk that church up, up in Lake Mary to send me that thing. Actually, we'll have to go get it. It's a thousand gallon propane tank that's been made into a, a cooker. It's amazing. Um, don't smoke anymore. Don't do drugs anymore other than, than uh, ibuprofen to take away the pain and, and the stuff that the doctor prescribes to me. Don't drink anymore. Used to cuss a lot. Don't do that out loud anymore. Except when I'm playing golf. Well, I don't even do it out loud then. I just yell, oh, Dale. And anybody that's ever played golf with me knows that I'm cussing. Listen had some battles in my life and God's given me victories I went to Bible college 
Took me seven years to get through school. God gave me a victory there. Had to memorize all sorts of stuff. I kept telling the teacher, John Cash, everything he wants you to do is just memorize a bunch of stuff and regurgitate it. Memorize all the kings, time they reigned, and their mothers or wives or whatever. Who cares? What, that, that's Old Testament survey. Who, who cares? I can look that stuff up. Memorize. The declension of the now Luo, 512 tenses. Who cares? I can look that stuff up. Tried to explain to him that I killed too many brain cells to memorize. It just didn't work. The first class I ever took was Bible doctrines. You know, I made A's on all the tests that actually talked about Bible doctrine, and I just really messed up all the tests that were writing verses because you had to spell everything right and get the end punctuation right. And I'm a product of a public school. I don't spell well. If you ever get anything written from me, I either have gone through spell check or I'll write really sloppy and so you can't tell if I misspelled it or not. I used to have really nice handwriting, but that doesn't happen anymore. But you know what? After seven years, I graduated. God has given me victory after victory after victory. And when I'm facing that giant, if I can go back and, and look at those victories, and boy, those battles were not always pleasant. In fact, they're not pleasant. But it was God's battle, and he gave me the victory. And you can say the same thing. You go back and look and see and go through and you'll think through and yes, God got me through this. He can get me through that. It's a building of your faith. There's an old preacher. There was a preacher named Jack Hiles and he preached a message one time and he talked about building your faith as, as like lifting uh, weights. You start with a, a light weight and you go and you build up and it's lightweight's really difficult. Then you, you go to the next one and you build and you build and you build. Your faith builds and builds and builds upon each victory you have. Remember those past victories so you can face the battle ahead of you. So one verse on faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's very, very important for us to be in God's word. Because you know what? If God left, if God use David to beat Goliath and to do all the things that David did even though David was not you wouldn't like David you wouldn't want him to come to our church because he had too many wives too many kids and he committed adultery and he committed murder and he wouldn't he probably wouldn't welcome David here but he was a man after God's own heart I'm glad God looks at the heart not the outside but God used him. He'll use you. You'll build your faith. Faith comes by hearing by, hearing by the word of God. Last thing. If we're going to exercise faith over fear, remember your past victories, and then use the tool, tools God has given you. Use what he's given you. 1 Samuel 17, 40. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook. <laughs> That's where we were at. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, 
and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Use what you have. Use the tools that you have. You realize that that's what that core project's about? Using what we have here? We have a whole bunch of property. We have a whole bunch of land. And sometime we're going to get the permits. I keep getting letters that from the environmental people that they have to extend this or do that. And I'm not sure what's going on. I'm going to find out this week. And right now my only goal, my first goal is just to get the permits. But one day that, those fields could be used for something other than mowing. Then God will give that victory. Use what he has. Use the tools you have. When I was in Lake Mary, sometimes I have to show you all some pictures. Some of you all have been to that little church. It, it was modular buildings, not much bigger than what's over there that we use for our Sunday school, just a little bit differently done. Um, we had a pavilion with that big smoker. Um, that was really a tool that we had. And you know what? We reached a lot of people because of that smoker. Got involved with Relay for Life, and we made barbecue dinners to, for people to raise money for American Cancer Society. And in each of those dinners, we put a little candy cane with a candy cane gospel and invitation to Lighthouse Baptist Church, and people started knowing that we were the church with the smoker. If you drove by our church, it was just kind of a little... Like I said, it's a modular building. It had a nice piece of property, but it's in a very, very upscale neighborhood. You guys have heard of John Morgan, Morgan and Morgan? He lived right around the corner. He used to have fundraisers there for President Obama. Uh, um, Corso, uh, Lee Corso on ESPN, college football dude. He lived in that neighborhood. Uh, Dwight Howard used to play for, the, for uh, uh, the Orlando Magic till he got too big for his britches and was gone all over the place. And Anyway, he lived three miles from the church. That church was in a very, very upscale neighborhood, and we looked like we're not too upscale. There's some really big churches right around. Sam Hen, Benny, Benny's brother, had a church around the corner. And then R.C. Sproul, y'all know who R.C. Sproul is? He has a big church a mile and a half from there. I didn't have the tools they had. I had a smoker. That smoker reached people. Use the tools you have. Use what you... You know what? We get to go into schools. Great. We will use what we can. We have a... Bar, we, have a <laughs> we don't have a smoker, but we have a grill. I understand you guys cooked lots of hamburgers and hot dogs, but didn't have a whole lot left over this time, so we, you all planned it well. We cook hamburgers and hot dogs at the high school for their uh, um, concessions for the high school football game at Port Charlotte High. By the way, they supply the food. We just cook it and run the thing. I didn't want, some point somebody goes, well, are you buying all that hamburger? No, no, no. We don't buy that. We just supply the labor. Make sure that gets out there. Um, we use what we have. And people starting to know. We have somebody from the second service come last week for the first time. And they're coming back this week, and it's a, a, a mother and a teenage daughter. And that teenage daughter has seen us at, the, at Port Charlotte High School. She's seen me, and she's seen Elijah going to Port Charlotte High School and talking to kids and working with the football team. And she's seen us there at the football games with our yellow shirts and our visors, and, and we really stick out. Those people know who Sunshine Baptist Church is, but because of that, they wanted to come check us out. And they're supposed to come back this week. Use the tools that you have. 
And listen, you all have tools. You all have abilities. You all have things that you can do. Use the tools God has given you. David picked up five smooth stones. Put it in a sling. And he slayed a giant. Because the battle was the Lord's. The Lord, David had faith in the Lord. Exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a couple more things. Remember, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You have the Word of God. That's a tool right there. Ephesians chapter 6 starts talking and telling about the armor of God that we have as we face our, our giants and we face our enemies. He says, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Use the tools we have. The greatest tool we have is the Word of God. And another tool you have is your brothers and sisters in Christ who are in this church. This called out assembly of people who have come together to worship God to help each other as we battle as the Lord battles through us, His enemies. A guy named Charles Colson wrote in a book called The Body a long time ago. I read this story about the Romanian Revolution. And in that, in that Romanian Revolution, it really started, he didn't realize it, it started with one little Baptist preacher who started standing up against some things and, and started preaching. They were telling him, no, you can't preach that stuff anymore. But he kept preaching, and people started coming around and started coming around. And, 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 and from those little seeds... Thing God used that and, and changed the face of that whole area. Use the tools God's given you. Notice I have that stone in the box. I, uh, I bought these boxes and painted them and I wrote this in it. It says, a stone from the valley of Elah. Use this to kill the giants in your life. And I've given these to each of my children as they face the battles ahead of them. As you face the battles and the giants ahead of you, remember this message. Remember that little rock, how David used his sling and the power of the Lord to defeat the giant. It will give you courage it will help you overcome your fear. It will help you remember that it is God's battle and that there is a great cause. And you can exercise faith over fear and you'll have a new victory to add to your old. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you thank you, Lord, that you've given us a cause. More than that, Lord, we're thankful that that cause has changed us. That we now have victory over sin. We have victory over death. 
that we have eternal life because of what you have done for us. Father, may we exercise our faith. May we not be afraid. Lord, as we battle those things that come against us, may we remember there's a cause and that the battle is yours. And as, and as intimidating as that enemy may look, that battle is yours. And we can overcome. Thank you, Father. There's someone here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray. Pray for them right now that, Lord, that they will open their heart and call to receive the forgiveness that can only be received through Jesus Christ. Lord, those who are struggling with battles and giants ahead of them, Lord, increase their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Let's stand together and, and uh, Lord, um, it's the Lord's time. If he spoke to your heart, now's the time to answer that. We have altars that are open if you want to come pray here. If you want to come and, and um, have someone pray with you. If you want to be a member of this church, come and let me know and then we'll set up a time and we can come and talk to you and tell you all about us. Whatever your need may be, if you need to know the Lord is your Savior, please come and let us open God's Word and show you how you can have the greatest victory, the victory that receives eternal life as we pray.